Hello, and welcome to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Although we usually discuss all things iRacing in a casual setting, today we regretfully start in a somber setting as we dedicate this episode to the memory of former guest Gary Corbett. Yeah, I, I actually can't specifically remember if we found out last night or this morning. I think it was this morning, actually. Um, Tony told us, I believe, on on the chat. Uh, we all thought he had, was out of the woods, and apparently he wasn't. Um, I didn't really get to know the guy personally. I, I got to listen to the interview and, and uh, I think, race with him one time. But uh, I know a lot of people that know him, so I, I definitely... Uh, feel a little bit of empathy for all of them and it's it's a shocking sad story to hear the guy was a great guy yeah absolutely uh rest in peace uh, gary corbett we're sorry to hear about this uh you know it also ends up being today is his birthday of all days and uh so it's a little bit bittersweet uh saw some messages on facebook about his family uh, uh posting onto his wall um about the situation so uh, of course our prayers with everybody involved uh We've been talking about Gary the last few weeks, uh, trying to raise money uh, for that family. Of course, I, I do believe that GoFundMe is still back open. And uh, so go find that link and help him out, guys. Brian, you're on the Discord, so you've probably seen a lot more of the uh, the conversation from a lot of the OBRL guys, right? Yes, I have. Um, uh, everybody's been chiming in, um, wishing in their best regards to um, his family. Um, everybody's no one ever had a bad word to say about Gary. He was just that kind of guy that um, you just never, no, no one ever had a bad thing to say about Gary. And that's because he was just a, he was just a great guy. Um, he'd been with the OBRL for quite a few years. Um, all the guys in there, they're, they're thinking about um, uh, retiring his number, the 88 that, um, that we all know is from the keys on the keyboard. Uh from uh, his aftermath appearance, which I think uh, the aftermath guys, aftermath guys are going to repost that, so you can uh, listen to Gary's uh, appearance on that show again. So um, yeah, everyone's just so shocked. I mean, even though even though we knew he was sick, uh, the late last words that we heard was that he was actually uh, looked like he might have taken a turn for the better. But so it kind of kind of shocked me when I heard this today. Um, so it, it's just terrible news. Um, he, he's just just going to be missed by everybody in the in um, the OBRL and everywhere else. Uh, those kind of guys aren't um, their their kindness uh, is not limited to uh, racing, obviously. So I'm sure his whole family. We wish them all the best, um, and uh, everyone he knew, I'm sure, has nothing but great things to say. And we're all going to miss Gary. Next week is an off week. I believe for NIS, so we are pretty sure we're gonna that the OBRL guys are gonna throw together some kind of a memorial race. Uh, we'll let you know next Thursday what we know at that time. So uh, we'll put a little moment of silence in here, and then we'll we'll have to get back down to business. Rest in peace, Gary. Gridfinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for the next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. Gridfinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. Gridfinder.com 
And we got something big in store coming up. We're going to announce it next show, next week. You guys tune in. I, Richard's Lounge, and Gridfinder, we're going to have uh, some fun with the listeners. So, And you guys are going to win cool stuff. Okay, the Coke Series. They took it to New Hampshire for some nice, clean racing, right? Um, first, we have some uh, open mic that uh, Mike's going to tell us about. Yeah, it's a classic uh, radioactive style uh, where you listen to the drivers and the spotters talk as they go through the race. And it ends up being like a highlight video as well. But this was actually from the Charlotte race uh, where Ray Alfalo won. And... Um, and Malik Ray, you know, had some heartache, you know, coming in second there. But uh, it was real interesting to hear the the go back and forth, um, even though this race has happened already. Um, it's interesting to hear about the strategy and whatnot uh, and hear the emotions as well. So uh, really nice video. I'd love to see this every week. Um, it's not focused on a particular team or driver. It's like, you know, whoever's, in, you know, whatever the action is. And so I liked it. It was great. All right, so starting off the race, we had Sherburn and Leahy leading the field. Early on, Sherburn leads the field, and it must have gone single fire early. Then we have a caution on lap 24. Ashton Crowder is involved and has a ton of damage. Nick Ottinger, Galinsky, and Malik Ray are towards the back of the pack now with some decent damage. Yeah, I thought it was going to go green there for a while. Uh, they, they spread out pretty quickly. Um, everyone was mining their P's and Q's. Um, you know, it was a little double wide early on, but they spread out pretty quick, uh, not compared to the end of the race anyway. But, uh, yeah, Ashton Crowder, it seems like he's having a lot of problems lately. Um, and, again, he's in the first caution, uh, but a lot of others uh, collected as well. Moving on, lap 53, we bring out the second caution on lap 52. We have Shun and Burroughs uh, with a tangle in the back, and Connie takes the lead right before the yellow. Clampett takes two. I guess that means two tires. Uh, restart on lap 57. Vicente Salas and Logan Clampett lead the field into turn one. Track position is track position is currently paying off for, for Vicente, but Conti on four tires is coming quick. Yeah, and it was really neat to see Vicente Salas running so well. I mean, the entire race, he was a factor. And, um, it was, you know, he, with the, the four tires coming with Mike Conti, uh, it, it made for some interesting battles uh, through this part of the race. Lap 68, Conti leans on Salas for the lead. Side by side, lap after lap. Salas will not let Conti go. Two tires aren't paying off anymore, though. And for Logan Clampett, who gets the boot from the four-time champ, as Clampett sarcastically said to Ray Alfella after the bump. Yeah, so again, this uh, showed how strong Vicente was uh, holding off Mike Conti. Literally lap after lap, side by side. And, you know, and, and, and at this track... That's difficult. Um, I, you know, is it was he? And he wasn't really pinching him. They were giving each other room. It's incredible racing, actually. But I'm, I'm afraid they were burning up their tires doing that. Caution three. Wilson currently in the playoff points in P10 gets tagged by Mains, and there are multiple cars involved. Conti leads the entire field onto pit road. Schoenberg stays out, and Salas also stays out. With 56 to go, we have a new leader, Jimmy Mullis. Novak has some nose damage after a chop from Salas on a few laps to go. Novak is still P3 and closing in on the leaders, though. Mullis Racing takes the lead after Shun stayed out on the old tires and the restart got jumbled up. With 41 to go, there's a big slide from Duvall, but he saves it. Yeah, this is really where we see 
uh, Jimmy Mullis come on strong. Uh, he, he's, he's been up there, but he gets to the lead. And don't forget, I mean, he's won the last New Hampshire, uh, two New Hampshire races in the last two years. And um, so we were expecting good things from him. And, and with him, 56 to go, and he takes the lead, it's looking pretty good for him. Um, anyway. So we start to pile up the cautions as we get later into the race. Uh, caution four on lap 121. Femiolette tried to get back into line behind Cook and just misjudged it and sent the 15 spinning. They were going to have a shootout here to end it with 25 laps to go on the RS. Uh, some guys have stayed out again. Uh, with The restart was with 26 to go. Bose and Wilson stayed out and lead the field into turn one. We have three, four, and five wide. And what do you know? The whole field wrecks. Yeah, can you say big junk? Because that's what it looked like. You know, with the three and four wide, you can only do that for so long in New Hampshire. And at some point, somebody's going to touch somebody, and around they go. And and uh, you didn't expect like a Talladega or a Daytona big one, but that's exactly what we saw um, in this replay. Uh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, you you can definitely have the big ones if it's on a restart at any track. Well, what really drew drove that three and four and five wide was the uh, people staying out, people with new tires, the people on different uh, length of you know their tires and. And so it was all jumbled up from that, and um, it was hard to track who was where and whatnot, you know, on the different tires. But boy, you could tell as uh, there were people, and I was telling you this earlier, David, uh, there were people racing on the apron during this part of the race, like literally all four tires below the yellow in the corners. And I actually tried that Wednesday night to see uh, if there was grip down there. And I found out that it's about the same amount of grip as that first lane of the track. And it's the same uh, banking as well. So uh, I guess I think you can race down there. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I tried going down there today and got loose. And then on a restart, Matt Busso was in our split um, and just full sends it on a, on a restart and passes like five rows on the inside because nobody else is going down there. And he, he made it stick. It was pretty insane. On that spin, though, with the three, four, and five wide, uh, Ryan Lusa was involved in the spin. We also had Zulinski, Olat, Salas also involved. We have several tweets on the script that you can check out. Moving on, we have a restart, 21 to go. Jimmy Mullis and Mike Conti lead the field into turn one. We have another wreck, but no caution, and they keep going. Then trouble. Sam Wilson, or not Sam Wilson, just Wilson gets sent into the wall. Alfala, Bryant, and Mains appear to have damage, but no caution. 18 to go, finally caution. Mains gets a bump from Justice, and it's now less than 15 to go at the Magic Mile. Yep, and uh, man, uh, Garrett Maines, he was in all kinds of trouble uh, this race. It, it seemed to find him. Um, uh, he couldn't get out of the way. It was kind of the way it worked out, but uh, he, he got roughed up pretty good. And then Stephen Wilson, I mean, he was having a great run, just minding his business in the top 10. Uh, he got put to the wall at the, you know, into his good run. They also made a big announcement during the race, David, of July 27th uh, will be the next event. And it's going to be Tuesday at Nashville, but the next gen car, and this will be like the All Star race, a non points race. Yeah, we'll get to see how that car behaves with all the all the big guys going. Um, more on that later. Restart, thirteen to go. Jimmy Mullis and Mike Connie lead the field to turn one. 
11 to go. Another caution. Bo spins after contact with the McLaren Shadow teammate, uh, Blake Reynolds. And then uh, we have another restart with six to go. Mullis and Conti continue to lead the field into turn one. Caution. Busa, Clampett, Salas, Galinsky crashed. It's caution after caution after caution. I don't know if it was cautions, breed cautions kind of thing, or, uh, you know, everybody had different tires at the end, but uh, it, it was just one after the other. I mean, uh, it was it was interesting to watch, and it was fun to listen to Evan and the guys call it. Um, as a viewer, I don't know if it looked like fun racing um, doing it that way, because they would only get a one or two laps of green, and then it would go back, you know. New Hampshire is a tough track. Uh, and it's really hard to pass there, even just too wide. If you're on the inside, the rear end wants to let go. So, um, taking it, and these guys are the pros, but taking it three and four wide is just kind of unimaginable. And so it was definitely a cautious breed, cautions kind of, kind of situation combined with the fact that it's, you know, 10 to go. So there's no more patience at that time. At, at this point, everybody is full send mode. Yeah, and Jimmy Mullis, a restart king through these late cautions, uh, he would definitely gap them on the restart. Like, uh, he, you know, he would pull out a two, three, sometimes four car length gap over second place just by leaving a little early before the green or that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, and, and that was the, the, the winning moment really was when he took that lead, he kept it uh, by the, doing really well on the restarts. And he had to restart over and over and over. Um, and every time that was a chance for something to go wrong. And he just maintained clutch. Yeah. So, so final uh, was the green white checker. Yeah. So can they make it to the end? We have restart overtime number one. Mullis and Connie, Nichols and Novak. Checkered flag for Mullis wins at the virtual New Hampshire Motor Speedway. He makes it three straight at the Coca Cola Racing Series victories for New Hampshire. And then for your top 10, in second, we had Nichols, third, Conti, Zach Novak in fourth, Bowen Graham, fifth, Davies in sixth, Alfala, seventh, Michael Guest, eighth, Vincent in ninth, and Michelle DeJong, I mean, Michael Mitchell DeJong in tenth. Yeah, and Jake Nichols, second, that's his career best finish. And also, Ray Alfala, top 10, keeps his championship uh, hopes alive again for another week. Uh, remember, he's got to stay in the top 20 in points, even though he's got that win. But, Has Alfala made it into the top 20? I don't know. We'll have to look at the points here shortly. We do have a, a list of those. But I want to point out at the end of the race, as a top you know, four or five were crossing the line, like the field wrecked behind them, like everybody else piled up coming through three and four. Uh, quite a replay uh, as they struggle to the line, the rest of the field. Yeah, it was pretty nasty. And then um, determined to drive pro the propelled Jimmy Mullins to the lead and ultimately the win at Loudon. We have the move of the race tweeted by NASCAR. Yeah, it just shows the when he took the lead uh, finally. Um, they were kind of stacked up, and he went around the outside, and it worked out pretty good. Uh, but Conti was was giving him all he could, um, but he he made some nice moves, and uh, you know, congratulations to Jimmy Mullis. Uh, shows he belongs for sure. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I caught the last half of the race, and it was definitely a caution test. I, I felt for the drivers at the same time. I don't know if I find that entertaining because I see it as a 
as a driver more than a broadcaster, right? Uh, you, you listen to Junior's podcast and he talks all the time now about how his priorities have changed because he's in the booth now instead of on, on the track. Uh, so I still lean towards, I'd like to see some more clean racing, but, uh, you got to try to get what you get. And sometimes it, I guess it is rolling the dice. I'm checking the points now. Uh, Jimmy Mullis moves up six spots in the points to 14th and, uh, points. Uh, and then Ray Alfala, 25th, but he did move up one spot. Uh, who fell out was, uh, Vicente Salas, he fell down four spots to 10th. Uh, he had a bad finish, even though he had a great race. Um, he was caught up in the crap at the end. Well, this uh, is also 10 winners now inside the top 10. So you it can only be in if you win now. There was one spot for points, and that person got, got bump, bumped out. I see. Unless uh, this is Mulsa's second win, but I don't think it is. Yep. Uh, other notables, Jake Nichols with his second place finish bumped up fourth to 22nd. And uh, Garrett Maines with his bad run uh, drops three spots out of the top 20 to now 21st. Yeah, I definitely am always rooting for Garrett, but that is one of the great things I think about this current system is that relegation battle. It's um, every spot matters. And that's another reason you have so much hard racing in the back. It's not, it's not like you're in a race and somebody tells you, why are you racing so hard for 35th? You know, it's because that can be the difference between you being in the division the next year or not. So, right. That's one spot from 34th to 35th, right? You got to fight for them all. And you don't want to be dead last out of this group. You know, that can be depressing. Well, definitely an entertaining race. Where do we go next, Mike? Well, that uh, next-gen car, Nashville, I believe. So we'll have to see how that race. Um, you know, we've tried it. I don't think anybody on our team really liked it much. So to see these guys run it and see what the racing will be like, I'm really excited for that just to see, in, you know, in the hands of these pros, you know, how will it run? Will it race well? Is it going to race like crap like we've seen already? Um, is iRacing going to change the car any before then? There's lots of unknowns. We'll find out in a couple of weeks. That's the Coke race. Topics time, and we're going to start with the top 10 highlights. iRacing dropped the top 10 highlight for the month of June on their YouTube channel. They haven't come out with a not top 10 yet, but uh, have you guys checked this video out yet? It's great. The usual stuff where, you know, lots of good racing, lots of great highlights, side by side, you know, the, the normal stuff. Um, but some neat combinations like, you know, the Pro 2 trucks at Watkins Glen. And what's neat about the racing with those is they're literally leaning on each other. And, you know, one guy gets squirrely and he turns into the guy's quarter panel. And normally in most cars, that would spin both of them out. But not with all the grip that these things have. Uh, they just keep on going and uh, fabulous racing. Yeah, this was a pretty exciting video to watch. A lot of close racing. Uh, Brian, I know you like these videos. I mean, which one was your favorite? Um, there was a really good one with the... Um the legends cars um i think it was number two 
where they uh, finished the race up Daytona, where four of there were four wide at the finish. They all crashed after they crossed the line. It was an amazing finish. Uh, those cars are, you know, they're they're not easy to drive, uh, even in uh, restrictor plate tracks. But those guys, uh, they went four wide, man, for the finish. It was a fantastic finish. There was yeah, a pretty insane. Pretty insane finish in, with the radicals at at Nurburgring, uh, with the guy the actually one, passing yeah. in grass. Man, that was, the, and the guy that won, he had to have won because I would not be that happy and giggly if I had if all of that had happened and I had lost. Right, they were three wide against the wall, and the guy was like banging against the wall, but it worked because they were three wide, and it was only three wide, you know, from wall to wall. So nobody, there was no room to spin out. Yeah, I think it's it's really cool when they have these uh, top 10 videos and it's from a streamer because you get so much more personal interaction with the guys who are in this just amazing moments. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like when they have the streamers involved with that. And uh, that was the number one video. It was, it was quite cool to watch. Well, they can definitely be choosy with which videos they put in there because they have to. I'm sure they get hundreds of videos. But what else do they get to be choosy with now, Brian? Yeah, this was an article that came out in racer.com. It's like an online motorsports racing magazine. And um, it was really cool. It, it described how successful iRacing business model has become because um, they basically reinvented how the, how the uh, model for these uh, simulations or games, if you want to call it a game, it reinvented how they're done because before software companies they would just pay these huge large sums of money up front for licensing fees so you want a nascar game you pay a whole ton of money for nascar and you got their game stuff like that well uh i i racing became um they 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 reinvented how that was done by um by basically marketing their sim to uh the manufacturers um as uh, Steve Meyer described, he's like, uh, we're marketing this manu this uh, simulation to you guys, so you will um, let your um, manufacturers just let your products be available to our racers, and you know our racers are super. He called them super users. They're, they're like diehard iRacing fans, and uh, so in the beginning, uh, Steve Myers and the group at iRacing they basically had just plead their case to 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 uh, companies to let us use your let us use your um, let us use your cars let us use your series let us use this stuff and uh, you know it's going to be beneficial to you in the long run. Well, he was basically begging them in the beginning, but. Um, as, as iRacing grew and became more popular and became more successful, um, now the tables turn. Now manufacturers are coming to iRacing and saying, hey, we want to be a part of this now. So as where, whereas before in the beginning, you know, people, Steve Myers was begging people to join iRacing. Now so many people are asking him that he has to turn people away. He gets uh gets uh, requests all the time that, hey, we want to be part of this. We want to be a part of this. And so iRacing can pick and choose now what manufacturers, what series they want to add to the game. So it's really just completely flipped the script on how how the marketing of these games has uh, has developed. And uh, it's it just goes to show you how successful iRacing has become. Except for European endurance racing. Well, <laughs> I, you know, what, a couple things. So first, I mean, yeah, that's how it's always been in the past where they would spend a ton of money and, and get the license. But I want to point out, I think that's still happening. I mean, we see, we'll talk about that later in the show with some other games that are coming to motorsport. Um, but that 
that business model is still out there and, and, and it's still being used. But this this is a fascinating article. I'm going to read second a quote here from Steve Myers from the article. It says, quote, where it used to be a hard sell back in 2004 through 2010, every year since 2010 has become easier and easier to the point where over the last few years, I probably get 50 inquiries a week from manufacturers, race teams, or racetracks about wanting to be included in iRacing. It's now more of a point where I'm saying no to people as opposed to me reaching out and saying, hey, do you want to do this? Well, that kind of like, like David, even with David saying like European sports not wanting to be in it as well, like we have them and someone else has taken them, but there's no saying that they could have, they could net down the road, come back. Like, you know, with their series, there's going to be one of those things that's probably going to be jumping around all the time. Like NASCAR seems like they're happy with iRacing and how much they use it for what their content is, but uh, not all, you know, there's how many different types of motorsports around the world. iRacing, if they're turning away that many, I mean, you only need a, a certain percentage to uh, please the, the people we have because we only have a certain amount of uh, percentage of sim racers, right? So it's, I think being choosy helps them not oversaturate the content. Yeah, we don't want to dilute to the point of, you know, there's a thousand different races to race, but there's one person in every room, right? And there's nobody to race. We used to have that problem um, when there was only like, you know, David, what did you say the other day? We had like, or we were talking about how many people were on the sim at one time. Like you'd have like a thousand, some nights we only have like a thousand people back then. And if you only have, if you have like 50 or 60 different events going on at nighttime, if you've got to split that over a thousand people, it's not very many people in the event, but if you got like 10,000, 11,000, now it's a lot, a lot better content. I don't remember the numbers. Um, the first time I, you know, I first signed up for iRacing about 10 years ago when I was still doing a lot of R Factor. Uh, it was a whole different world back then. I, I think it was even before the COT came out, I think, or it was right around when the COT came out and they, they put it out. And they only had the one model in, in the A car. And you had to spend a whole season, you know, climbing up through each, each class before you could get promoted. Uh, but I don't remember much about the numbers. It's definitely not as explosive as it is now. We're look, you look at the site right now, there's 7,000 people on, on, a, on a Wednesday night. Yeah, it's really ballooned up since um, you know 2020 and everything that's happened there. Uh, I think it's great. You know, It's awesome that iRacing is in a position where they're turning away business just because of resources and whatnot. But, and, and, and having the option to pick and choose and and really build that business model out as they, you know, envisioned, you know, some a decade ago. And, and, and at this point, you know, in 2021, it, you know, it's hitting on all cylinders. Um, it's growing, you know, it's not, you know, it, there's a lot of popularity uh, around it. A lot of people know about it now. Um, it's a lot more mainstream. So, Greg, how did iRacing get a picture of your wife being mad about you being on the sim? I don't. I honestly don't think it's my wife because my wife wants nothing to do with iRacing, and she wouldn't stare there. She couldn't be bothered to stare there and look at me while I'm racing because nobody wants to even do that. Um, but I guess uh, I'm not sure who. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of who posted this here, um, but it's in the Reddit. Um, but I guess at some point on the backstretch, there's just this lady. There's a whole grandstand of people, and the lady standing off to the side. And I think Mike, you said they're all looking at her. If from what you were you were saying there in the chat, but I don't I haven't raced Summit Point much, so I don't reckon I know this, but 
it kind of is weird to have her off in her, the own or on her own. Have we figured if there's a reason for it yet? No, but it's interesting because she's looking one way, and then the crowd and the grandstand, they're all looking a, a totally different direction, which happens to be right at her. And so it just looks like, you know, she's doing a performance or something and kind of standing and everybody's watching. I don't know. But uh, somebody put in Reddit this uh, post or the, a picture of this and, and just put, she's just standing there, you know? <laughs> so I thought it was funny. Something else that was funny is uh, iRacing put up on the Instagram a, a video of Jimmy Mullis. It was this, this week's Coca race winner. Uh, he launched it through the trees after going off track at the Monza Oval, but still wins the race. And, uh, man, the, the air that they show just on the screenshot of the video, I mean, he's a good, you know, 12, 15 feet off the ground. And, uh, yeah, he's going to win this race. How about that? When did they add Monza to the to the uh, rally car racing? It's not rally uh, it, car. It's, it's next top. gen, next actually. Gen. But it has a jump in it. That's an awesome jump. It was, no, it doesn't have a jump built in. It, it's, uh, he went off track. It, it was a joke. But it was a nice landing. He stuck it, and everybody else had wrecked behind him. So he limps it on home to the checkered flag and takes the win. Kind of a nice video. Pretty crazy. Uh, we have a new racing series to introduce. It's called the E-Racer Roval Racing Series. And I don't know why we don't have Greg talking about this one. So you'll probably have plenty to say about it. It's a fun, challenging multi-class series that takes place over seven weeks using the Cup Xfinity and Truck Series. That actually is pretty interesting. Um, the vehicles that are, it's going to be running underutilized Rovals on the iRacing service. Uh, and the qualifying weekend starts on Saturday. The races are going to include the Charlotte Roval, the Texas Legacy Road Course Combined, Indianapolis Road Course, Pocono International Legacy, New Hampshire, the road course with the North Oval. I don't, I, is that the one that goes on the outside? I think so. Um, Auto Club, the competition, and Homestead Road Course B. So let me get this straight. So Greg begged for this on the show. <laughs> Why can't we have a, like a roll race for NASCAR that's multi-class and then like Hours later, uh, yeah, eraser uh, announces this. You better sign up for this. Uh yeah, we'll do that. I'm, I'll have to do it after the show or while we're going doing the show here. Of course, it'll be going the same time we are. We're working on spa. That's okay. You can work around me. Yeah, no, we this can. starts uh, Saturday for the qualifying. So that's something uh, that would be might listeners might be interested in knowing if you're on a team that runs a 24 hour race you can register for the 24 hour race run your run your stint withdraw as a driver go run a league race or go run an official race finish it come back and re-sign up for the 24 hour race i've i've had a team member do it before well it looks like i can't even register for it it's, it was last weekend it started yeah this was posted. We got our show Thursday. They posted this, I think, Friday, and it started Saturday. You missed it. My bad. Even with a weekly show, we can't keep up with stuff. Well, what uh, you guys? Hold on. Sorry, Brian. If you're going to announce an event, don't announce it the Friday night before it either. But then again, we might have missed it up to that point. Well, what you guys want to miss is um, the four hours of Charlotte that uh, benefiting the National uh, Multiple Sclerosis Society. Um, I think we talked about it last week, but uh, this is just a reminder to check out the four hours of Charlotte charity race. Uh, it benefits the National MS Society, which will be taking place on July 30th and 31st. Um, so you can visit um, 
their website to uh, donate and register for this event. Um, if I remember, it's a team event, right? Was this the one with uh, yeah. was it um, some uh, pretty famous guys in it? Was TJ Majors was in it? It was Chad Canals with somebody else. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, get yourself team together. Go to the website and uh, sign up for this race. It's good for a great charity, and uh, sounds like it'll be a lot of fun too. So, Greg, you've been hunting for a lot of these uh, different guides and and uh, guides to the different type of cars, right? And we have one here where you're going to talk about. Yeah, so it's titled "30 Minute uh, Late Model um, Guide." So it, it, it's a Google Drive doc that uh, someone's put together to go over the whole car and, and I guess figuring out uh, you know what you can change and to, you know to the betterment of uh, to you know to get some people uh, acclimated with setting up these cars because that's one thing that is very lacking there's a lot of information out there but there's not a lot of uh, you know a lot of people don't want to give away their secrets and things like that and I'm not sure in this if there's a lot of secrets in here but at least it gives you uh, pretty much a lot of what you should do the, the do's and don'ts uh, with st setting this stuff up and it's very uh, intuitive guide it's about eight pages long but it talks about everything in the setup for the late model um, it's definitely great to have something like this uh, put together um, we should have this for almost every car and on the service as its own but uh, it's really hard to uh, come by all this stuff if people try and hide their secrets for some of this stuff yeah, I mean, this is a great, great resource. Somebody took a lot of time to type this up, and uh, I went through it. I didn't re read the entire thing. I kind of did an overview. Um, I mean, he puts a lot of good information in there about how to do setups, um, what order, you know, what to do in what order, that kind of thing. He is also it? mentioned at the end the iRacing Setup Viewer. I think we've talked about this before, but it's a helpful tool that helps you see the exact differences between uh, groups of setups. And um, you can find it for free at mysimracingapps.ratbrat.net. I've also been using that stint analyzer that we talked about a few weeks ago because uh, I, it really helps with seeing exactly how my 20 and 30 lap averages are doing when we're, we're trying out different sets or even just trying out different changes. And it has the same option. You can actually compare two sets and see exactly what's different between one change and another. Yeah, like today, like we were talking over uh, Messenger, and you posted the pictures of it, and we was able to, you know, look at some of the data on it uh, before a race, and just see if there was some changes or something we could see uh, that was causing some problems. But uh, Mike, is it Christopher Kimry who actually post that is actually the author of this, or is he just the one that posted it? Do you know? Um, no, I think he's the author as well, and he used to post setups directly for the community and so this is this year he's not doing that this is what he's doing instead is he's just giving up everything he knows it has some great stuff for example i found this section in the middle about stagger and uh, he said when i started i've used stagger adjustments to help with entry exit feel at some point someone pointed me in the direction of the iRacing stagger chart hosted over at os racing the link is here and he points to a link uh, that has a staggered chart, which, you know, I had no idea there was even such a thing. The other I, thing is... I click on it, and there's a list of tracks, and it literally tells the amounts for what kind of cars to set it at. So if you're running on super late, you run 1.7 at Bristol. And see, you know, the community only gets stronger if 
if guys are willing to discuss things like this too, right? Like if you said he was doing setups as uh, you know, he was giving away setups, but you know, it's, it with it's better to teach the community how to be better at racing with their, with making setups than it is to just give it to them for free sometimes or paid. Right. What is the saying? Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Right. Uh, now, you got old guys like me that are never going to learn it. Now. So I, if I don't apply myself, you have to practice it first. <laughs> if me building a setup was equivalent to fishing, I would starve. Right. Next up, uh, a great article. Uh, over at Traxion.gg, uh, we're loving some of the stuff they put out, but it, it's a really good uh, retrospective of what could have been with the eNASCAR Pro Invitational iRacing Series. Um, and it's by one of my favorite uh, Twitter followers, Justin Melillo. I follow all his stuff. He talks eNASCAR a lot. But uh, he's got a great uh, feature article about this. Uh, we're on the same uh, wavelength here about how things went, why things went south, and what, how it could have been better. Uh, we've already talked about all these points uh, on the show in previous weeks. And uh, Justin, you know, is saying them in his own way, basically, um, about how it went, you know, what went well. He has a section about that, um, you know, and then what went wrong. And, and he basically details out, uh, you know, kind of the things that we talked about. Doesn't, you know, as far as why it ended, uh, you know, or what could have been, you know, it was a, kind of the same speculation we had. It was, you know, it ended up being a chore for the drivers. Uh, you know, they have a lot of stuff going on at the racetrack now that they might not have had last year um, compared to this year. So, um, and NBC decided, you know, not to proceed. The only way you're going to ever convince these guys to do this. I mean, you got the ones that are already do it anyways, because of, you know, they, they like the software and stuff like that, but even, um, they're never going to take it, uh, seriously if there's nothing to benefit them from it. So, you, you know, they get their sponsor. There's the reason they did it last year and it, it works so well is because obviously the COVID, but they also had sponsor obligations that they could at least show their paint schemes off and race and they get their name out there and just do things. I just think that, you're never, we're never going to be uh, taken. It's never going to be a serious thing. Cause even, you know, you have last week for, uh, for example, when we, we released the stuff about Atlanta, well, they used iRacing to visually show what happened to Atlanta, but everyone conceived it as, you know, iRacing's building the, the, the track for, for, for them and and doing it. And iRacing did this and that, I mean, some of it was dispelled later on the week that they weren't, they were basically, you know, it's, it's like when, uh, you go from a paper drawing for a paint job to a CAD drawing, you know, when the CAD drawing started coming out, it was a lot easier. Well, it's a lot easier to see how a racetrack's going to look when you can virtually run on it compared to just showing it in a, in a, a top down view or drawings. Right. So, you're never going to take, it's never going to be a serious thing until there's something, some buy into it by the people that need to sell it. That's a great idea, Greg. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Why, why does a NASCAR like have a pro invitational series, but there's real NASCAR championship points on, on the, on the line. Like how many points do they get for winning a stage? Let's, say okay if you win the pro invitational race you get the same points that you get for winning a stage and all of a sudden you know what i think the drivers are going to be serious about it 
I think the teams are going to be serious about it. I think the broadcaster is going to be serious about it because there's points on the line. And and what better way to get NASCAR to uh, you know help get the fans to buy into the and watch the eSIM stuff? And um... Well, they added every other type of race. We're, we're racing on dirt now. We're racing so many hey, why not? horses. Let's just make it part of the part of the whole championship. It's part of the championship, exactly. You, I mean, you have a thirty-six week schedule, but guess what? Four weeks during the summer, you're going to run some eSim i racing, and you're going to you know earn some points for that too. I think the only way that that would happen is if there was they would have to. Uh, They'd have to be on a level level playing field rig wise and set up like everything wise for for hardware stuff because you know the race car has to go through tech their whole everything else should go through tech uh, yeah. to make sure that they can participate in the event. So, but but a a, a Joe Gibbs car and a um, who's the guy that everybody basically wants out of the sport because he's just out there making laps. It's not colleague. It's um, the guy that has the oh, four charters. Ware. Rick Ware. Rick Ware. Yeah. There's, Rick Ware and Joe Gibbs are not in the same equipment. All right. So worried about checking. Not everybody's going to have Denny Hamlin's rig. Okay. So Denny Hamlin can race in his rig, and then Rick Ware can race with the G20. Their teams can be a G27 with uh, Windows 95 no. running it. And more like a controller, right? <laughs> the little controller wow. with the steering wheel that moves the stick back and forth. I mean, we're joking around here, but like the gist of all this is, is this is always still going to be like, we don't ever consider it a video game, but how much of the majority of the world that would watch NASCAR and participate in it, like in going to an event, when they watch it on, on TV, how much would call this a game over a sim like we would? Like if you're in it, you call it a sim, but anybody that watches it probably calls it a video game. And it's, it's hard to be taken seriously that way. I really think that they should try to promote the Coke series on TV more um, because that is the real boys. Just like I've been on uh, in the gym when, you know, there's like five different TVs on five different channels and they will have they have they have these different online tournaments going on with with like basically Final Fantasy style games on ESPN. So why not have the racing on there? Well, I think I have- that's. Oh, sorry, Brian. Go ahead. All right. I, I was just going to say, I think that's the real missed opportunity at this point, because, um, you know, while it's nice to have the name recognition of these uh, professional drivers out there, um, you really want to sell the the uh, the sport, you know, and sell sell the action, sell the sell the talent that some of these guys really have. And um, that's just not the way that the pro invitation will approach this. They just wanted to sell the drivers and the sponsors. And that was it. They didn't really care what happened in the game uh, or in the races. I mean, and, um, and that, that kind of, that's kind of where this thing went South is that uh, when no one, when no one took it, you know, no one was selling the racing, then the racing didn't matter. And, and that's where, that's where it kind of lost steam. Um, And, and the, the longer it went, the more times that these drivers are in the middle of their season, uh, they don't necessarily want to spend um, tons of time learning Chicago so they can be super good at this brand new track that they've never raced on. They don't have time for that. They're in the middle of their season. So uh, I, I, I think they just missed the ball. Um, I think the Coke series, 
you know, they promoted it at the beginning of the year at Daytona that the Coke series was to kick off to speed week, you know, for NASCAR. Yeah. That was, that was what they, they, uh, they love that. They, tone, dude. they, yeah, they, that's the way they said that this week really started was with the Coke series. Well, if you're going to put that much emphasis on the Coke series, why bury it, you know, and, and, and not make it more presentable to, uh, to normal race fans, as opposed to, to diehards like us guys. Problem there was Brian, they can promote it all they want as the kickoff to the, uh, the season. But if your announcer uh, doesn't agree with, doesn't believe in the sim as a thing, right. you know, if Mike Joy is there right. not believing in it. And I think Jeff Gordon was in that race and that's the one we got to pick. I got a picture up here of him flipping into the, into this thing and Clint Boyer crashed. Like there was nothing, it could be a kickoff to it, but if you all of a sudden look bad with it, it, it didn't. It just didn't work. Think about how upset any of us get when when our NIS race goes bad, especially you know, especially if whether it's our own mistake or somebody else's. In either case, we're generally upset, right? Um, and they roll into the wall and they're laughing. You know, it, it, it just it turned into too much of a joke. That's that's what I'm saying. Points on the line. Look, if I was Bill France Jr in 2021 and i knew that we were having a pro invitational uh, going into 2021 season and i already know my schedule for the year because we've published it and in the middle of uh, august they're gonna have a three or four week gap for the olympics in tokyo well you know what let's just bake into uh, the points and the schedule some esim events on iRacing during the olympics why not you know and then show it online only if there's no room uh, at the peacock for us you know because of the olympics they could just show it on youtube live or whatever or, or show it on you know mbs mbc sn live uh, you know streaming or whatever but that would have been what i would have done and then like like you said put some points on it so the so everyone takes it seriously now i don't know if you guys have the equivalent of this but i bought a streaming box it's a, a, a roku box is what i bought but in it, it has a channel on it through a service that's in it that's just dedicated to esports. Like it's just esports video game stuff being showed on the station 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, there is platforms that can be created to do some of this stuff where they could be put on just, you know, it's kind of like how we rotate through what the, the motorsports network thing, right? So, you know, you got it on three or four times a week and and it, it airs then on, on something like that. But I think that's where a better place for the Coke series would be on it as well, right? Like on something like that. Somewhere, right? Anywhere at this point, besides, you know, the iRacing YouTube. Well, what do you want at the beginning of, of a process where if you promote the Coke series is you want exposure as much as you can possibly get because, you know, you want people to learn the names of some of these drivers and have have a interest in following them and that's where where they can they can really start to build some momentum behind the coke series and also uh a lot of these coke series drivers probably are a little bit easier for the some of those younger generation kids to relate to right like oh he's he's not a, a super rich dude who grew up racing uh car you know go-karts from the age of four all right. So that, that's not necessarily the case with the Coke drivers compared to just about anybody who makes it to cup level. Yeah. You look at like a, a Casey Kerwin, you know, a young 20s, you know, with long hair and 
very relatable to the college age student, you know. Well, I think we uh, put a pretty good wrap on that uh, a little bow. Nice long discussion. Let's jump into one of uh, Mike's favorite things. Maybe I know I know you hate it on heat a lot, but Motorsports Games has confirmed a NASCAR Twenty One. Uh, it was reported by IGN that they have confirmed the new NASCAR game will be ready for twenty twenty one, and it will not be a continu- continuation of the Heat series. Twenty one is going to represent a fresh start for NASCAR simulations with from Motorsports Games that will be powered by the Unreal Engine uh, and Studio Three Ninety Seven's acclaimed R Factor Two physics. Now. A big problem I have with all these, like, it's great that we have console gaming and stuff like this. I'm hoping that they get it out for March of 2020, or they, they did they actually give a date? No, sorry, it doesn't actually give a date. It just says it'll be released in 2021, right? Right. Um, well, we're past halfway through now. The problem with all these, the f- problem with racing games I always found, and I guess a lot of it has to do with licensing rights and, 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 uh, and things changing through a season. But when you get like the football games, the soccer games, the uh, baseball and hockey, they're all out right when the season or in NBA, they're all out right when the season starts. A lot of the racing games come out halfway to the end of the year. So, you know, I'm hyped. Like look at when we, when we get to like have the off season. And then when, when Daytona hits, and we're ready to get racing. We're, we're hyped to get on the sim and just go at it and have all the stuff right from the beginning of the year. I find that these games, the racing on console stuff comes out way too late where you're on the lull, you're in the lull of the summer or late going back when kids are going back to school. The season's over. Things are older. Like, it, like a lot of the season's over and things get old. Like even the F1 game, it's coming out. I think it comes out, came out today. Well, they're already halfway through the F1 season. It kind of defeats the purpose of hyping it up, don't you think? Yeah, and if they're putting this out this year, it's either going to basically – the only good timing could be possibly when the playoffs start or it's going to be right in the off season when if they're aiming for the Christmas season. But why would you right. put a game that's already out, to, out of date out? Because then are they even, gonna, are they even going to have next gen? Well, the other thing is is – if it's coming out for this year and finishing off the cars that are for this year, okay, even if it comes out, say, five weeks before the end of the season, they're, I think they're, they're partnered with uh, EA Sports still, are they not? Or EA? Well, EA likes to charge for a lot of their back, like, you know, if you want these paint jobs or things like this. Why would you buy something that's already way out of date? Like, it's one thing to buy in, say, March and April when the season started and, and, you're, and it's in full bloom. But why would you do it, you know, at the end of the season when you should be going on and getting ready for the next one? Because all the football games are about to come out for, for for right now when the football season starts for the season coming up because you want all the new player packs and things like that. It just seems like it's way too late for this. Ultimately, I think um, probably probably the majority of our team, though, and probably the majority of our listeners aren't going to be buying this anyway. So. Nope. Um, it's good to get into that market in any way, just because it's, it is a different market. It's going to sell to a different crowd, but ultimately to the iRacer, the, the, the true comment is who cares? Well, I okay. used, hold on. Sorry, Mike. The only reason I used to buy these games was because I wanted to race AI and not be, when I wasn't on the sim, I could race whenever I wanted to. And then I thought when iRacing got AI, I was going to be doing that more just to practice and stuff. And I haven't really done it. But I also stopped 
buying these games too. So this ain't the only one. Uh, earlier today, the same company announced uh, IndyCar um, 2022, I think they call it or something like that. But uh, it's the same deal. It's R Factor um, with the Unreal Engine. It's going to be IndyCar. Indy IndyCar is all in with it. And uh, yeah, so I mean, we talked about business models earlier in the show. Uh, what's this business model? Well, if you're going to try and think, like, iRacing is its own thing. So it has, you know, it focuses on a lot of different things to try and make up in a year. When you're making video games like this, it's a full year project to try and come up with a whole thing one at a time. So now they're, are they taking that same staff that was going to make this game before they made this announcement and do it and now split it in half to try and develop two games that are going to come out to try and double their market share? But are they going to be as good? I think it's going to be definitely better than what we saw with Heat because the R Factor 2 engine is at least more realistic than the Heat engine was. And um, a lot of a lot of the sports car community is actually 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 enjoys R Factor 2 or a set of Corsa. It, it, it kind of bounces between the two of them. I don't know if NASCAR, you know, who's paying who in this situation. There's probably a profit sharing of the game itself. Well, Iris and, and NASCAR have never signed an actual fully licensed, like they're not a licensed uh, holder. They're, they're partners, right? So that's why they can have a different, you know, heat can exist still and things like that. And that's why IndyCar can have their own thing. It's when you start licensing stuff, that's when you can't create your own, you know, a separate thing. Like, because uh, that's what happened to Papyrus years ago, too, when they kind of just got moved out of the market when EA took over. Well, and iRacing is just really not concerned about the console market taking their customers away. They're, it's, and, and- it's a different level. Go ahead, Brian. I think he froze. Yeah, he's frozen. The other thing I want to mention is when I read the IndyCar stuff, it's not only that they're the publisher of the new console game, but they're also the esports ecosystem provider now for for IndyCar. And so whatever that means, you know, I I take it as if they're going to run any official, you know, events with their drivers, you know, they're going to do it on the game. Well, the thing is, too, is... When they get a game like this, and they're obviously not doing the full laser scanning in the way that iRacing does and has a track. So when they create like St. Petersburg, the new Nash or Nashville track, uh, some of the tracks that iRacing doesn't have, you know, they can create these tracks and, and that's why they could hold an esports thing with it because they got they can license all the tracks so that they can have a full scheduled season. I mean, it's nice that, you know, they'll be able to do that uh, where as you know, iRacing has select tracks that they've scanned over the years and just doesn't have them all. So that's probably why they're using it as an official esports, right? It says, in addition to the new game, the IndyCar series esports competition featuring potential driver participation and collaborations could begin as early as this year. Details will be announced at a later date. I'll pick up this one because Brian is reconnecting from an internet connection. <laughs> Brian's frozen. <laughs> Yeah, he's frozen in the tundra up there. Uh, on the Twitter page, oh, iRacing is asking members, what is your greatest iRacing achievement? Uh, well, Mike, how about you? Is it uh, Pocono? <laughs> I was thinking about this. I mean, when they put it up, uh, you know, how would I answer this question? It's hard. I mean, it's got to be one of my recent wins, um, maybe this year or, or even last year. But uh, 
the one that stands out in my mind is the one that Greg did the video of where I beat David or David helped me win at Talladega um, or pushed me to the win. Uh, that's probably the one I would I would say just because it's on the tip of my tongue. We, we, we don't talk about this. We agreed. <laughs> well, what about you guys? What's your uh, best moment? Greatest achievement, it says. I, I might go with the fact that mine's happening right now, that I'm sitting P4 in Division One of NIS. I, I, I would have never imagined getting up getting up there. I mean, Garrett Maines could skip four races and still beat me, but uh, and he almost won the race this morning or this afternoon, but it's still nice to be up there and, and no longer be a back marker in top split. I'm, I'm definitely mid-pack and snagging some good finishes at this point. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, that's a tough one for me. I, I guess my my favorite moment anyway was um is winning at Talladega um uh shortly after I joined Tafosi um last year. So yeah. it it was cool winning a winning a race for in as a part of a team for the first time because it's a it's a whole different experience when you're winning winning for yourself, but when you're representing uh other racers uh, in a team like I think it's actually uh makes it a little bit better than than a typical win in nis you know i think i was cheering you on or spotting yours if i remember right so yeah that, i think it's going to be my top favorite moment craig i was thinking about this so it's saying the greatest achievement in iRacing. i want to say that you know i have moments in iRacing that are, are great i mean like we had the daytona race this year the two 24 hours of rolex race that was that was a great achievement getting you know, second place uh, and enjoying the time that we had as a team there. But I want to like the achievement I feel from that that's from my racing is this show right here. Like for me, it's to be part of this part of this show. You know, having this platform for something that I find fun is like you know great as a hobby. You know, if you told me, I don't know, what did I join the year team three or four years ago? I've been part of iRacing for ten years. If you would have told me that I was you know, publicly talking and speaking on a, on a broadcast uh, in front of a camera to, you know, about, you know, a couple thousand people, you know, that listen to us as a podcast, I would have told you crazy. And and, and at one point I, I haven't streamed in a while, but I would, if I would have told you I was a streamer too, I would have, you know, I would have laughed at that too. I, it's just not, those are more of an achievement for me with all this stuff than, than any of the stuff on track. Yeah, that's a great point for all of us, um, not just you, um, that are involved with the show, because uh, it's it's great to have a voice, you know, to be able to talk about it, and and people are listening to what we have to say. So I love it too. That's that's pretty impressive, Greg, that you picked that over a professional racer saying, "Follow this guy and see how he's doing it. Do it that way." But you know, it. I, I'm serious though. It. For me, this, you know, I, every Thursday, I, I, I make sure I'm home for work to, to, to be able to be on a show like for, that's about a hobby. Like, you know, what does that tell you about where, you know, is it a priority? Yeah, it's priority. But what does it tell you what our, you know, it's come down to is if I would have told, like I said, if I would have told you years ago that I'd be doing that, you would have told me that years ago doing, doing this, I would have laughed at you. I would have said that I wouldn't be rushing home from work to do it. It's, you know, I listened to the podcast and when I started talking to Mike and got on the team, I thought it, I was never going to be part of this bot broadcast. But now look, I'm even, I even created the broadcast part of it, right? Yeah. Looking at some of the replies to the, to the original tweet, I've been scrolling through them. 
um, a lot of people talk about, hey, I got to race with Kyle Busch last year at Talladega and almost won. Or I beat Max Verstappen in a heads-up you know, race. You know, to be able to say that and to be able to race one, a world champion like that and, and to beat him on, the, you know, that that's awesome. And so some of these people, they do have some pretty awesome moments. Uh, pretty well, incredible to read. Getting to team up with, you know, former IndyCar driver Richie Hearn on multiple occasions. He's probably going to be running with us in Spa. Uh, that's really neat. Uh Racing with Saddlers. Yeah, racing, passing, actually being able to pass Saddler occasionally and then have him pass me back 10 laps later. All right. Uh, those are all fun. He, he got, he definitely, once he got, he started off a little bit easier to pass, but he started to catch on really quick as I'm sure Garrett coached him up on, on exactly the nuances. And I mean, he was a super talented driver anyway. So it was just a matter of getting used to the new, new, uh, uh, vernacular, I guess. Yeah, racing with the Saddlers was definitely a, a treat for me. Hadn't seen him on much lately. Uh, I was talking to Garrett, actually, or no, Jason. I was talking to Jason just yesterday, and they are currently coaching baseball. And uh, you you might actually be seeing the little Saddler in the major someday. Who knows? They always go big, no matter what they're doing. They're going to do it big. Greg, steering ratio is now what? Yeah, so Steve uh, Rada brought it up in the forums. Um, I guess he's he was trying to find out. He was curious um, what the new pinion uh, steering ratio, like I guess his pinion uh, gear, is in compared to what we used to have in steering ratio when it was like 12 to 1, 14 to 1, 61. So staff member uh, Matt Holden replied that the next-gen car uses a completely different steering system uh, other than the uh all the other cars. Uh, it's a steering pinion controls the steering speed instead of the power steering box. Uh, like Vern said, it doesn't cor- correctly direct uh, correlate directly to the steering box ratio. Higher pin numbers produce more mo- movement for uh, a given steering input and would be like running a lower uh, ratio, faster steering box. So it's good information and it's going to be really hard. You know, there is guides out there about figuring out kind of what uh, it translates to, but you're never going to get the same, you know, we all jump into a race and go, I'm running 16 to one or 12, 10. We all know what we're running there. It's going to be a new learning curve for us, right? You'll have to find your sweet spot, but it's basically, it just goes in the opposite direction now. And that's interesting because the steering ratio back in the R-Factor days went in the opposite direction. The lower number was slower. It's interesting, yeah, because, you know, we think about this new car, you know, we're all NASCAR drivers, and but we get in, we you know, you're going to have this new steering system, and it's like totally foreign, you know. I've never seen anything like it, but this is good to know that, you know, it kind of, the numbers kind of go opposite the way they normally do. It's basically like you're basically now at a gear ratio kind of amount now instead of a you know an actual whatever you know it's a different it's a different way of looking at it I guess what is what they're saying. And what's funny is some of the the commenters in the forum are basically asking the staff member you know can't you just make it feel better for us because it does it feels really crappy and, and based I'm paraphrasing Andy and and I'm also going to paraphrase the the staff member's response, he basically says, no, we're not going to change it because this is how NASCAR designed it and wants it. So we're doing, we're doing what NASCAR wants. That's the car. Well, we've never done that in any other car in here. It's like, 
well, I don't want this car to drive this way. Please change it. iRacing doesn't do it that way. So why right. are we doing it now? It, it's this still ain't not the IRO one, right? It's not the fantasy car. It's it, it's still a work in progress. Obviously, we're still finding out a lot of stuff that's going on with this car. And, you know, this car still has a lot of development to go with it. And it's going to be an ever-changing product on iRacing. Well, I think the next big test for this car will be the uh, July 27th Coke race, which will be the uh, non-points event at Nashville. And to see those boys run that car, just to see how the racing goes. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It's a good choice of a track to try it, though, because that was the track that was, I think it was probably one of the better tracks that we've raced on this year because of having to use brakes and stuff like that at that track. So hopefully it runs good there. I haven't tried it on that track. Okay. We got a season three patch three release notes. So that was today. A couple minor things. Looks like UI, a couple of little fixes. I'm not going to mention time attack. The qualifying conduct scrutiny is now in effect for time attack competitions. And apparently there was a problem if you had a zero X from a wall contact it will now correctly invalidate that lap time. Uh, there... Issue where smoke was a little too bright in mirrors. One thing I noticed here, there's a they changed the billboards for Atlanta. It's obviously a week too late. Is there an event for like coaxers coming up in Atlanta or no? It's odd that they're doing that after the week that we raced at Atlanta. Admin commands lucky dog decision will now also ignore drivers with EOL penalties. I think this... I experienced this problem on Wednesday night because I got the lucky dog twice and I couldn't pit, even though the pit would open for me. There were still cars I had to let by. I had to like let, let everybody buy, like everybody was coming out of pits after repairs. And I just couldn't pit because there was always a, a car to, to let by. So I think maybe this fixes that, I hope. Well, it may have broken something else. Is that on the script? Are we talking about it? It isn't. So go ahead and tell, tell them about that. Well, right now, there's, there's a hot fix coming out in the morning, and I've spoken to our racing staff. They know about it, and, and that's probably what the hot fix is for. Um, but right now, if you get an EOL at any point, including for being the lucky dog, you are stuck with that EOL for every caution following. So right right now, anybody that sped or had an unsafe exit or anything, they're, they're having to go to the back every single caution. And it's so once you've got an EOL, your race is basically ruined at right now. It start it started with this patch. Um, so it's been going on since since Tuesday, I guess that was the patch day, or was it Wednesday morning? When it whenever that whenever the patch came out, that's what happened. And I bet you it's related to this this change they tried to make with with the uh, lucky dog. And the thing with the lucky dog is is if especially if you're really far back in the lucky dog and you don't get around quick enough, yeah, it'll start and it'll it'll give you the EOL before you can get in the pits and then you can't pit. I've sent that in before too. We found a lot of people that figured out what to do to kind of work around that. What you do is you sneak up and you just pull up by the leader before it tells you to go ahead and pass the pace car and you go when you get to the line. And that way you're able to pit before you get to the two to go and it sticks you at the back. Okay. Should make racing interesting before that patch comes out. If that wraps all we've got on the patch, let's talk the 2022 Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Cup. 
Uh, and basically, they're going to be doing something similar to how the current Road to Pro series is working. Uh, starting on July 31st, the qualifying series for 2022 Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup gets underway with this new qualification format that is open to all iRacing members. The virtual Porsche 901 GT3 Cup serves as the digital racing car for this series and is once again signed as the title sponsor. So there's going to be a qualifying series. I'm not going to read every race, but there are six races. And then there's a contender series. Uh, yeah, the, the six races are open to everybody, anybody on iRacing. Um, you can run these races. I think we should try them, David. Uh, maybe. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm... Just for fun, to see where you shake out, yeah. I'm just see what's what I'm have. really hobby on the road courses. So uh, unless it's the LMP one, for some reason it suits me, but the other stuff I'm just kinda hobby. Is this but the old cup car or is this their new Porsche that they've got? It's not the new GT three, is it? I think it is, isn't it? I didn't think the new one had the cup's name on it. Yeah. It starts two weeks from now. I mean, not a lot of notice, uh, and some of the people in the forums were saying that. But I noticed when iRacing put this up, they didn't post anything but a link to the Porsche website, and all the details are actually at uh, Porsche.de. Well, the uh, the road guys that that are up there, you know, in the five, six, seven, eight k, they'll definitely be uh, the ones that are probably qualifying for the contender series, just like it is in in Road to Pro. But it's the same format. You got you got the open races. You got to got to get through that to get into the contender series, and then there will be the contender series. But instead of having to get to the pro series, I think the contender series will jump straight to the the Porsche Cup. And they're so, going to broadcast the contender series as well. So from what I'm seeing here, that's the old car. That's the old cup car still. They're using what they had last time. Because the the new one has the R at the end of it. It's a GT3R. So it's the top 15 of the first round get mixed in with the people from last year's results, 21 through 40. So the people that didn't make the top 20 in the championship they get relegated into this contender series to fight the top 15 of everybody else who ran those six races. So the contender series is actually the formerly known as pro series. Right. So it's a little different than the NASCAR version, but I like it. And if you want to be involved, you need to get out and run those six events. So um, this next one. Uh, it's kind of funny. I was in. A, I got into a little bit of an argument with a couple of people today because I will call people out on their stuff um, when they mess up, but the, and especially if it affects me. But but I will call myself out too when I do something. And kind of as proof of that, I submitted myself for the not top ten, and not didn't. I don't know if I made the top, not top ten or yet, but I made the 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 iRacing Instagram post today because I basically drove into the pit wall at Pocono, like the barrels. Um, I was following somebody else into the pits. All right, and I'm focusing on not running into him and main and not speeding. Right. So I'm just staying right behind him because you're supposed to be single file. I'm staying right behind him, but he's not actually in the right lane. He's a whole car width right of the right lane. And I'm not particularly aware of this. And all of a sudden he jerks to the left and all of a sudden, Oh shit, there's a wall and I'm dead. Yeah. The Pocono pit entry there, it kind of funnels down to 
uh, two lanes, I think, from like three or four. And yeah, if you're not paying attention, I, I, I've actually done the same thing. The other thing, David, notice uh, in the text of the Instagram, you're you're actually known as member David Ha. Um, yeah, that's an interesting typo. Ha ha. It, yeah. Um, there's too many different directions you can go to that. Go with that. And I'm just, I'm just not going ha. to. You are not living that down. Ha ha. Yeah. We'll go. We'll stick with that direction. That one's pretty acceptable. Yeah, and it's interesting. Some people, both on Discord and occasional chats, and and on the Instagram post, actually think this guy did this on purpose. And I was I was in there with him, and 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 we were racing around each other clean the whole time. I know he didn't do it on purpose because he basically almost hit it himself too. We were both both focused on our speed more than which lane we were in. Think about it. And that when you pull on pit, there, right? Oh. Yeah. When you pull on, that's what I'm looking at is the speed. I'm not I'm not looking at the road. What's the other track? Darlington has it on the inside, doesn't it? I think it's Darlington that has the one on the inside yeah. you gotta be careful at. Yeah. I wish they'd do that at almost every track so the people would stop that like to drive down all the pits would, would get wrecked out. No, no, we're gonna go we're gonna get rid of ghosting for that. All right, Mike, <laughs> it's time to do some cleaning. Uh podcast housekeeping notes, uh don't forget the Aftermath podcast. Uh, go get it, guys. It's a separate feed from us. Our new website, iRacersLounge.com. It's actually not new. We're in our, going into our seventh month of the website. It's actually working out really well. I hope you guys use it as a resource. It's, uh, it's great. Uh, shout out to a couple teammates. A first friend, uh, Joe Owen, uh, got some emergency uh, heart surgery from a heart attack uh, that he didn't expect and so um sorry to hear him going through that uh he did get his surgery and and looks like everything's going to be fine with joe and then uh other teammate steve lou allen got in a horrible car accident uh this morning um he's a uh, wrestling coach and he had some of his students with him in his truck and he got in a head-on collision we just saw the pictures uh, a few minutes ago here on the chat and uh man he's lucky that he uh he survived he did get some injuries for him looks like he's gonna be okay though and he said the kids were fine it's been a pretty bad seven days for you know in, in general for a lot of our chat we've had us some you know even you had in the last seven isn't it yours part of the last week too mike yep my daughter got in a bad car accident um she's 24 and uh she broke her femur her uh, ankle and her wrist. And she's been living in my house the last several days and I've been uh, babysitting her baby basically 24 hours a day since. So yeah, my life's been turned upside down. Uh, this morning, I mean, Steve was upset about the announcement about uh, Matthew uh, D. Burrito uh, get losing his job. And I think Tony is like definitely sobbing because of it too. I think Tony is really not liking it. So, tough day. Uh, don't forget we're on Performance Motorsports Network. I touched base with those guys last week. Uh, they're still putting our show up, guys, and uh, so go check it out over there. Uh, they have all kinds of motorsports uh, shows. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. All right, guys, so uh, off of Atlanta, uh, coming in first place is still Resdog. Resdog's uh, number one. Justin Times in second place. Oh, baby, 44 is in third. Uh, so it looks like uh, Greg 
uh, has jumped up to number seven, passing Tony Groves, um, who is in eighth place. Uh, Chris Scales, Jedi McFly is in tenth. Uh, let's see, uh, Steve Lou Allen's in fifteenth. Uh, Tony, the Tony's Tony the Tiger. Uh, that's um, Tony Rochette it's in seventeenth place. Um, jumping up to 24th, I'm making a late, <laughs> late charge. I don't think I'm going to be able to get much further than that, but, um, I still have a lot of people that I haven't used. Um, uh, Tyler, Tyler Williamson, uh, fat boy, 1990s and 20th place. So yeah, so, uh, it looks like Greg is the leader with the Tafosi part of our, uh, fantasy league at this point, but it's uh, neck and neck right now within Tony Groves. Yeah, Greg finished fifth if you look at Atlanta specifically. Uh, Smiling Ninja was first. I that see uh, Tyler uh, was seventh. Tony was ninth. A, it's pretty amazing to see how how crowds change because it was a really popular win at the track, right? Everybody wanted to see Kurt. Every, for some reason, Kurt has, has done a full circle in his career, right? Yeah, he, definitely. He's, he, he was such a bad boy to start off his career. He won a, a championship not being any favorite and now everybody roots for him to to get a win every year and do good and then you know even move you know we're all talking about he's gonna he could be the next uh well they would, he's gonna he could drive for uh michael jordan's team and denny hanlon's team like these opportunities he's made for himself because he's reinvented himself i have no problem plugging him door bumper clear basically all but hinted that that's going to be the case <laughs> he can't say it he's he, he they, they're really good at hinting things that are actually true uh, they didn't try to hide it at all <laughs> no i think this is the first week where um i think hendrick probably didn't get the uh the bonus points for being top manufacturer right or top uh, team they, they didn't have a, their typical dominant day well they rumor has it nascar found out what they were doing they they well, found their gray area from all the Chevys. They took something away, but it didn't look like it affected right? Ganassi as much. There was I something didn't hear that interesting. There was something on the front end that they 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 finally they finally caught on to it and and took away the advantage. So you know they were innovating, and then that's that that's how it works. They find something, and then NASCAR finds out what they found and says, "No, don't do that anymore." So that's the that's the the uh, arms race that will always be. Motorsports, basically. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Okay, it's time to jump into hardware. First thing we're looking at is the SimRigs Exodus Max Sim Racing Cockpit. And it's a standard 80-20 rig. This one's a sturdy one. It's got the full adjustability. I definitely like the black color. Pretty high price. I hope that includes the... Uh, the seat, because I'm looking at $1,400. No seat, but it is New Zealand of all places. And so if you live in New Zealand, this is a, a source for you. I don't know if that's a good price or not. I mean, from a European or American uh, standpoint, it's pretty high. But if that, if that is New Zealand dollars, it could be, it could convert to a different, completely different way. But in, in the U.S. dollars, that's almost double a P1X. Right. And then you have to ship it too if you're going to do that. It's very sturdy looking. I mean, they double up on the eighty twenty. Uh, it's it's got the same heavy duty, at least what thickness or um, yeah the the dimension the white the widest dimension is the same as the P one X design. Right. I would call it a P one X clone almost. 
The only thing it, they don't have is the, the upgraded pedal design. Yeah, I will say that's in, as far as 8020 goes, um, this is built, look, it looks very solid. You know, the really thick bottom base, the thick uprights for the uh, steering mount. So um, now I just did a quick check. If this is New Zealand currency, that would uh, be just just under $1,000 in American dollars. US it's dollars. Got so bad. It has to be New Zealand because it's only showing that you can only ship it in New Zealand. It doesn't look like you can ship it anywhere else. I see. All right. Well, the, all the Kiwis can go there for the rig. All the hobbits. They're actually, the Aussies particularly like to call them Kiwis. And they call themselves Kiwis. <laughs> so, um, more pedals, Brian. Yeah, the pedal race continues. This one is uh, Racework Pedals. So uh, they've been, uh, in two years of development, Racework unveils their latest revision of their S1 pedals, with which are, were designed, machined, and built in-house at Whitlich, Germany, at racework.com. Uh, so they, uh, because of that, they have full quality control over the entire process. Uh, these guys start at 840 euros, uh, excluding VAT. Um, as a, as a limit time, limited time offer price. So that's not going to be the, uh, the, uh, set price at some point, they're going to probably go back up again. So, uh, but they, they're saying that they're confident that these are the smoothest pedals on the market. It still has the Tilton 8078, uh, endurance racing master cylinders. So, uh, yeah, if you want to grab them, grab them quick while you can, there's uh two and three pedal variants. So they can get the clutch pedal added separately and uh, black is in stock and they will be getting a limited quantity quantity of uh, racework orange colored pedals. They're coming in about two weeks, which uh, from the picture we have are the racework orange with the black uh, pedal pads. And it looks really sharp. It's a very yeah. nice looking design. If they want to send me to them, I'll compare them to the sim coaches gladly, which I'm absolutely <laughs> loving out of No, but these look like they'll be the very solid design. There's a lot of similarities in the design. I, I, I see the, the hydraulic pedal design totally differently now that I understand how it works. And, um, this is very similar. What I particularly like about this is the, the full length gas pedal, which is pretty realistic. And your clutch, clutch and brake pedal look like kind of more real clutch and brake pedals as well. It's pretty neat design. And they're, the pedals are all separate units. So when you set up your base plate, you can probably easily customize where they will land. And so I'm, I'm liking them too. Um, I think the price is right for hydraulic pedals. Now there's no base plate, but 800 and something dollars. Uh, yeah, that's about right. So that's euros, um, Mike, uh, which translates to 992 US dollars. Okay. It's still pretty good for uh, some hydraulic uh, set of pedals, and these look really nice. So um, I've heard good things about their previous version of uh, pedals. We've talked about them before, and this is like their newest uh, and latest and greatest. All right, Greg, tell us about this sim racing setup. So... The sim racing setup uh, posted on their Instagram page uh, a pic, uh, a video of their you know their their new, their whole sim racing rig, and I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with words on how to describe their platform. Of this it's an interesting it's a what we're seeing is like a, it's got it's a four footed platform, but it has it's like it's swiveling on two guides with uh, all the motion underneath the seat. Um, 
it's a very nice, it's very cool setup that they have. Uh, I don't know if we've seen it. Like it, it kind of reminds me of that. Uh, what is it? The side to side one that uh, next level is it next level that has, but everything's uh, underneath the seat uh, that controls the motion uh, it, it condensed in one area. There's no, there's no arms on the outside or anything like that. It almost looks like it's swiveling on a, uh, on a center point. Right. And then the actuators are in the front and the back tilting around that. Yeah, it kind of looks yeah. like if you look at the one spot here, it kind of reminds me of like um, in like a car when they have a sway bar links. It's they're, they're using links on the front that uh, it, it like David said, it's swiveling in a center part, but the links in the front and the back are what causing it to move. So, so I'm I'm wondering if that center point is actually fixed or if it's just a matter of the, the direction it happens to be moving. I think well, we there's saw a pivot one. point right in the middle. Yeah, we saw one like that a couple of weeks ago where they had like a universal joint type of connection right in the center of the bottom of the seat. And the actuators were just kind of moving the seat forward and, and sideways based uh, around that center universal joint. I think that's uh, what it looks like this is. We don't get a, pic a full picture of it, but it seems like it's completely uh, tilting around at one centralized location. Okay, so, that, so that means that central point is is fixed. So how do you do a bump where all four tires jump at the same time? If that central point is is there to make sure that the actuators can hold it up, probably it wouldn't do that. Yeah. It would do the front probably, right? It would just knock it up. So this is a repost actually of a different user uh, named Alan Lee, and it's actually his rig. And if you go to his Instagram by clicking on his uh, fo on F-O-N-D-O-O. -O. You'll see his page, and uh, on one of his videos of the rig, he mentioned it's, it's the DOF Reality H3 is the name of it. And so we've talked about this, I don't know, a couple years ago maybe, but the DOF Reality is a pretty inexpensive motion rig, um, and this is the H3 version of it. And it's got some more, like you were saying, Mike, I clicked on his link here. So he, it's got some more links to or pictures showing how it actually works. And, and it's, it's sitting across a bar. There's like two bars and they intersect and it, um, the pivots right in the center, right under the seat, like we're talking about. And, um, and then it just it pivots from that point, but it's using front and back to pull it and push it, uh, forward and backwards and side to side. Um, I, one thing I kind of really like about this whole setup it, is it's a very, very small footprint. It's not like there's no crazy arms on the, the triangular angles that are um, coming out of the back of the seat that take out, you know, are wider than the frame. Like the frame is just a bit wider than the seat. So I just looked it up. The DOF Reality H3 sells for $2,139. Yeah, that's pretty good. And you're right, the f the footprint is really tiny, and there's not that much 80-20 with it, right? I mean, the You look at the stands around it, and it doesn't have to have that gigantic uh, four-wide profile going all the way up and down the stand, the system. I think the other thing reason I like this is he's taken that DOF reality rig and put some really nice stuff on it. I mean, look at the Sparco seat. Look at the seat belt package he's got with it. Look at the wind package and the dash that he has built on both sides of the wheel uh, with a big old ultra-wide monitor and then giant sound speakers on each side. I mean, it's a really nice setup. Now, the monitor's fixed. It's not moving. That can be a little jarring. Yeah, and he, he's moving a lot in the sim, too. He's moving a lot. That, that could be throw you off a little bit. 
So if you ran the gyro cam, would that make the camera move with the seat? It would be weird. I don't think you could. It would offset each other, wouldn't it? I don't think they would move. Yeah, like Mike's saying, I don't think you could get them to move in sync together. Like if it was a way to program it to work the same way, you'd be probably searching for settings forever to try and get that right. He's racing Project Cars 2 in the video anyway. <laughs> with the racing light on. Yeah, I saw that. All right, next up. Picky, picky, boys. Picky, picky. We all learn in a different way. Uh, how about this one? It says... The Sector 1 eSport is the newest from the Sector 1 series of open-wheel-oriented rigs. We brought all our professional expertise to create the perfect machine for you to perform on the racing platform. The emergent experience of the eSport Sector 1 will set new standards on the market. This is a, a post on Instagram from RS Simulation from Paris, France. And uh, it's it a looks, pretty cool-looking rig. It looks simple but sturdy. Uh, it's really going to hold with that design. And again, really tiny footprint. Um, David, I don't know if you've ever, because you have a Sparco seat, right? Uh, yes. On their website, I don't think I've ever noticed an F1 style seat on there. Is it? Can you buy those? I couldn't tell you. I haven't. Like, I don't remember looking is. for one specifically, but that that's one. So like, they apparently they do. to see it. Because normally we don't get a name brand seat for the F1 style, right? Well, is it? Yeah, that's got to be F1 style because you look at the back and it just doesn't look like like the back on a GT style. Well, and look at the mount, the way it's mounted. Like it's 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 definitely uh, made for that way. Well, there's a huge market, so I would it would be silly for them not to have that kind of seat. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of a look of a toboggan or a sled or something. It's got some rounded front, you know, rounded corners on the front. Um, you know, tailing, uh, trailing uh, feet on the back uh, kind of gives it a sleek look to it. It kind of, the more I look at it too, it kind of reminds me of, we've, we've covered it a couple of times, like the play seat has that kind of arc architecture to it as well. With an arc, way. yeah. Yeah, but it also, but the sides kind of remind me of, I mean, I don't know many people that have it, but Fanatec's uh, uh, version of their their rig that they have, the sides of it remind me because they're, you know, it's like a steel plate instead of with the bars to try and create more rigidity. The pedal chamber is pretty tight too. So they're definitely planning on you only running two pedals in, in an F1 style car. You're always clutching with the, with a hand pedal or paddle. Paddle. No word on price though, on their website at sector1sim.com. I would guess it's probably over a thousand dollars. They show on the website, uh, the cockpit with D box attached to the bottom of it to make it motion. And, uh, they, they, uh, also say, you know, they got some users like, you know, Pierre Gasly, Ro Romain Gross, Grossjohn, Nico Rosberg, John Eric Verne, and so forth. Nico Hulkenberg. So F1 drivers. So we have some lovely stickers. In fact, it's called lovely stickers. Um, they're happy to announce that they are almost ready to have available on their website a set of Charles Leclerc Ferrari stickers for the Play Seat Formula cockpit. Um, it's fun putting stickers on our different stuff. I've got the iRacers Lounge sticker actually sitting on the outside of my VR headset. Um, you got a Play Seat set up, you can now put Ferrari stickers on there. I wonder if this is going to be something that is going to get some attention to being taken away. Uh, cause don't, they, I want to say play seat offers, well, maybe it's just 
it was Red Bull and Mercedes. They don't I don't know if they have a Ferrari backing on it, but you're right. They're not going to like this because they upsell their McLaren and or their Mercedes and Red Bull ones because they have those on it. Now, if you just buy a normal play seat and then get the stickers, are they going to like that too much from the play seat side? Can they, well, this mark, is can not, they go against it? This is not Placey. This is a separate company. And no, if they but have, it is. If a they company. have permission to build the sticker, they're going to build the sticker. If oh, they have permission, that's the thing. I bet you they don't. Did we have this happen once with an uh, with something we talked about on here with stickers being printed up with stuff? I want to say there was something that got so taken this away same company, Greg, does the stickers on the bases. So you get a uh, Fanatec DB1 or a Thrustmaster base or a G27. You can get Ferrari sticker to go over it. See, that's where it's fine because it's putting it over top of stuff that normally you don't do it from. But like I said, PlaySeat has these. They they are already trying to license seats with those brandings on it. I just don't know if a cut. This is kind of like infringing on it. I mean, it looks cool. I well, just is it don't infringing know. on PlaySeat or is it infringing on Ferrari? Well, yeah, Ferrari doesn't like their stuff used anyways. PlaySeat does not own the copyright or the trademark to Ferrari. So if Ferrari says, okay, nothing place seat can say about it. I agree with that. But I, you know, this is a company out of France, I think the sticker company. Now it's kind of up to the customer to decide, do I want the Ferrari logo put there by place seat or do I want to put a sticker on there? And for some person that might could actually be different. I just remember a story that we had that somebody had to get rid of some, something that went away like a, a couple years ago that they had to take stuff down because they were printing something that uh, was offered. I just can't remember the story now, but well, it was they, like they probably didn't have thing. Them, they probably were violating the trademark. If, and so the question, I don't think these guys, though I could be wrong, that, that they could be, I don't think they're promoting this unless they've gotten permission to print them if they're going to sell them commercially. Well, if, even if they're used, they're also using PlaySeat's image in it. So if they use that and PlaySeat doesn't like it, that's not a good thing. But I would guess you're probably right. It's probably okay. I just think it, I just was, you got to be careful with, with Placey and they're already having certain brandings, but it's kind of, it's a really cool sticker and it looks really nice on it. So the other one looks better about the McLaren. So this is in the, uh, if we go back, uh, I think to Monte Carlo, um, Lando Norris and uh, Ricardo, Daniel Ricardo ran these special paint jobs, which doesn't happen very often in F1 too, of these, the old uh, McLaren cars, uh, their, their old, uh, I guess it would be their GT cars, right? And this, these, this is the golf paint job, which is really nice colors. You know, the blue and orange always pop out together when they're put together in a paint job. And uh, this is a place that uh, is being offered uh, in that branding. It's coming soon, I, uh, I can see here. Um, but it's a really nice F1 style seat. It's their, their, same, you know, same F1 seat, uh, just with the uh, McLaren stickers on it in the retro golf, uh, you know, paint scheme. I like it better than the Ferrari for sure. Well, these cars, when they were on the track too, looked really nice in the F1 cars in this, in this color package. All right, next up, a Gran Turismo branded Fanatec direct drive wheel. On GT Planet's website, images that seem to reveal Fanatec's promised PlayStation 5 direct drive wheel have surfaced for on different social media sites over the weekend, and it looks set to be an official Gran Turismo product as well. And so Which will be for the their DD is what they're referring to. 
Yeah, so this will be to go with the PlayStation 5 and the new Grand Turismo that's set to believe to be released next year, I believe, unless they're planning on releasing this early. So I checked Fanatec's website. I mean, they have the CSL DD at 350. Uh, that's good for PC and Xbox. And so this would be, the, like you said, the PlayStation version of it. What's that smell? That's a good question. I can tell you about it. Um, so, guys, if you're missing that one last little piece of racing immersion, Car Guy Candles has race car-inspired scented candles to get your rig room smelling like you're actually at the track with uh, scents like racing fuel, exhaust, and burnt rubber. So uh, they have these candles that uh, you know will uh, will smell your uh, make your room smell like you're you know you're burning rubber at the track or you, you got the exhaust. And uh, just if while, while you guys are on the video, I have my uh, burnt rubber here. <laughs> you got one how about that i got one and uh yeah it smells like burnt rubber guys so uh, i'm gonna fire one of these up in the race race room you know put the vr on and uh i'm gonna smell like i'm burning rubber on the track guys you oh i do not see this going good when people are in like vr and not being able to see the surroundings in a room oh i won't put it on the, to the, put it on the motion rig iRacing causes 10 deaths as apartment complex burns down. <laughs> I won't be putting on the motion rig so that they'll get flying tossed all over. <laughs> no, wait, you got those air hoses, though. Oh, yeah. Air yeah. On, yes. I was, I, was, I was looking at that. How can I put these in front of the fans so they blow up through the tubes right in my face? I got to figure that out. Don't do the exhaust fumes. That's called suicide. You're going <laughs> to pass up on that. <laughs> So, so you Carbon got the uh, burning rubber, but they also have race fuel, uh, new car interior, gasoline exhaust, and ten W forty. Do they have one for? Do they have a, a sore loser smell? <laughs> or what about that smell when you're cutting all the sheet metal off your car? <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe you need a mixture of three or four of these gasoline, together. Oil coolant. That's the wreck. Got, that's, that's the that's one the called wreck. A fuel, got, the got, rubber, the exhaust. Speedy dry. <laughs> Speedy. <laughs> PJ1. I actually upped up the, race, the exhaust and the uh, race fuel as well. So uh, I'm going to try to find the perfect mixture of, uh, of car smells for when I'm racing. Honey, I bought you some nice candles for the house. You're going to really enjoy the new atmosphere we, uh, we're going to have in the house. Exactly. I, I just can't wait till you set up a nice romantic dinner and, no, and, and pull one of those candles out. No, it's got to be around the bathtub. Who doesn't want to be in the bath and smelling burning rubber? So my wife does this thing called essential oils, and she has a diffuser. Can we get some essential oils like this? That would be <laughs> awesome. I don't think you want to be so, puffing gasoline, though, in essential oils and things like that. So uh, We know yeah. where the title's coming from. This <laughs> one day I was thinking, I wonder if they make things that smell like you're in a race car, you know? You got, you got motion going on, you're in VR, 3D, uh, you got all this crazy stuff going on. I wonder if you can make your room smell like you're at the track. So I looked it up and uh, found some companies that make uh, candles for uh, that smell like race car stuff. Only so. Brian would be looking for all this to go with <laughs> his thousands of dollars of iRacing rigs for immersion. He's going to add the sense of smell to it. 
We really well, got to get these guys as a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, we have to find something out to do that. It's GorillaCandles.com. We Pretty definitely cool. should send him. A and we, we and, we, and we've got to get the YouTube guy who does the soap to do our ads. All right, this next one I almost didn't even think we should throw in the script. I don't think it applies to iRacing very well, but we have the revealing of Motion One, and it's basically kind of a haptic feedback office desk chair. Um, I don't think it really will apply too great for for a racer. It might be neat if you're playing, um, I don't know, Battlefield 1942 or something. You, you know how I found this? Uh, it's because Anthony Alfredo actually commented on the video and said, game changer. Well, I think, like, David's right, though. It's this, you know, people want motion. Most of the time you think of motion, you're thinking of flight sims or, you know, racing. But, you know, the other immersions in games would be awesome for something like this. Like if, you know, you're playing, you know, a simple thing like, like you said, Battlefield, you're hopping in like a Jeep and driving around. Why not have a little bit of immersion when you're playing that game, right? Yeah, I just don't know if I would want to spend, as far as racing rig wise goes, I don't know if I'd want to spend that kind of money on a chair with rollers because I remember going through that experience and not being able to control the brake. When you're in VR, you'll end up in the hallway with your moving around motion wise. Well, you you put the brakes on them, but um, seriously, you know, when you push against the throttle or you push against the brake, especially if you try to crank up the stiffness and the chair goes back, you can't, you're, you're more worried about making sure your chair is the right distance instead of just being able to feel the brake. Um, and that's where a lot of speed can be lost or gained is, is being able to be precise with that brake. So what we're looking at is a rolling chair that has a D-box actuator basically between the chair and the rollers. How do you justify asking your wife for $2,000 to buy a chair that just, you know, it's, I don't know. It's a lot of money for what you get, but a $2,000 kitchen upgrade. Sorry. A $2,000 kitchen cabinet upgrade or something. Yeah. Well, it's just, I just think for what it is, it's, there's a lot. uh, I think there's a, this market's something that's, it's not a big market that I would think of if you're going to look into it. Because if you're spending $2,000 on something, you're doing it for a specific thing. Here's a, here, here's a better answer to that question. Here's how I justify it to my wife. Oh, you don't have one. <laughs> I'm not commenting on that. So it's so made might- by Cooler Master. Uh, Cooler Master makes PC parts. And so I was a little surprised that they're making a chair with D-Box built into it, but that's what's happening. So you have to buy the chair and then use uh, the Crocs to keep it from moving around then. It still rolls, I know, you need the Crocs. All right, it's time to start talking some results. Friday, we were at Atlanta. Ellis, how'd it go for you? Well, Friday, Atlanta, let's take a look here. I don't even remember. I was uh, DNF. Oh, yeah. I got wrecked going straight down the backstretch. This is like the most frustrating thing that can happen in racing, I, I think. When you're going down a straight line and the guy next to you is going down a straight line and he hooks you. I mean, how does the heck does that happen? But I did get hooked into the wall hard. It was no caution, of course. Uh, steering was 90 degrees turned. I soldiered on. As I was getting lapped, I brushed the wall a bit more as I was trying to stay high and let the leaders go. But the leader ran over me, actually, as I did that. 
Um, then I'm just toast up against the wall, smoking, uh, trying to keep it high as the field goes by. But about five cars later, somebody piles into the back of me. I think uh, teammate Josh uh, quoted after watching the replays of the incidents I put up. He said, you got hooked on the backstretch, that's not on you, and you stayed right to the wall with the blown motor. Um, the hitting the wall while being lapped, well, it sucks, but we've all been in that situation. It wasn't intentional, intentional, and you were struggling with damage. Greg, how'd you end up doing? I don't, I don't remember my Friday night one. I know Sunday I had a P2. No, we got your results here. It's a I'm P21. Good. Oh, that's the the race that I uh, I just I, I I was in. You didn't every, have enough fuel. Yeah, I was I, for some reason the my one of my apps or something didn't fuel me up, and I was I think I was gonna finish third or fourth, and I just I was two or three laps short, and I just had to come in and get it, and it was just unfortunate way of doing it. Uh, but I've rectified that issue, so I'm always in control of the fuel now again. I did not, I'm not doing that again, or I let an app do it. Good call. And David, uh, how'd you go? P14. Yeah, P14, this one ran green, no cautions. I got shuffled back in the 30s early because of avoiding an almost caution. And I was just being extra careful when I dropped from like 22nd to 30th as the uh, Arca Breakers came on by. I was uh, 25th when the pit cycle started and then netted up to 14th when uh, some of the 20... And I went on a different... I did the two one-stop strategy again, right? And some of the people who went on the two-stop strategy that were running just in front of me when we when before they pitted, they got within about five seconds of me and then our tires equalized. And even though my 20-lap older tires tires were 20 laps older they couldn't catch me and i held on to 14th okay and then tony rochette p d and f got caught up in other people's bs forgot to mention i'm now proclaiming myself the 2021 defosi nis road king uh chris scales d and f uh don't know any other details how about sunday open steve llewellyn p1 he gets a win uh congratulations on that and uh, to add to it, we had it uh, Tafosi 1 2. Tony Rochette came in P2. He stayed clean and made it the Tafosi 1 2 with Steven. And if Chris Skills was leading, he would have uh, wrecked him. And then Kyle, he got a P3 in his uh, split. He said, started P8, had to deal with some early race caution, and about lap 50 was the last restart and run top three. Took the lead and held it for 16 laps until I pitted with 23 uh, to go and then raced my way up to a P3 and was running down a leader. If I had another five laps, I would have regained the lead because I had 25 lap fresher tires than the leader, but just ran out of time. Greg, you got wrecked going for that win on a, on a short run at the end, right? Yeah, see, this is the weird, the one that I felt like I was, we were, I learned so much during the week about it, but this race, I had probably the fastest car in the room. Um, I was listening to, here we, you know, all of us, there was, that was probably the most uh, participation team Tifosi had on an NIS event on a Sunday morning, because I think there was like eight of us, seven or eight of us racing, but um, listen to the other guys, they were having a good run, and then I was, I was fastest car, I would have won the race, 
but I got uh, I got clips coming to pit road uh, on the long run where you or like David said the one pit stop I got clipped and as I was getting clipped it pushed me past pit road so I had to go around again but I was running out of fuel as I was coming to, to pit road almost so I got went around and got around I lost two laps and caution started coming out and I was able to work my way back and get on the lap and I think I worked myself uh, up to 10th and on uh, with like eight to go I moved into second or third and then we had a green white checkered and I was going for the win and um, the guy that we normally race with uh, he he stuck his nose in the corner on a green white checkered I don't blame him for the accident it happens but you know it sucks to have one of the fastest cars and not be able to produce anything with it because normally you know you don't you don't get that lucky all the time to be one of the fastest cars and david p9 yeah it was a big turnout uh i think we were the first split to finish again atlanta was really clean for the top split um i don't remember what caused the caution i wasn't anywhere near it and nothing else really happened right at home p9 it was a it was a, another good points day to just stay up there in that p4 spot until all the road courses go away with drop weeks okay and sunday fixed i wrecked out i missed the first three cautions but didn't miss the fourth one i was totally wrecked out i and couldn't miss it at all uh brian uh, what more could go wrong with yours yeah, I, I should have just skipped this one. Uh, you know, I just got home from my uh, trip on Sunday. I didn't have a whole lot of time to get ready. I went to log in. There was an update. By the time the update was done, I basically just made it in time for the start. Um, so I started in the back. I couldn't adjust my uh, steering like I like to, the steering ratio. Um, then uh, at one point in my race, um, I actually uh, timed out on my internet connection. So that was terrible. Um, which is the first time I know I know I time out on this uh, podcast every once in a while, but I haven't timed out in a race in a while. It's kind of weird. So uh, that happened. That put me a bunch of laps down. So I just sat back and uh, watched Tyler finish his race. And Tyler, he got a P6, started in the back and worked his way up through the field. Nice run. A lot of people believe they've gotten a little bit more stringent on how much packet loss you can have because more people who were not getting dropped in the past are getting dropped. New Hampshire, David, P-Rack. Yeah, there was, um, there was a lot of cautions in here. Um, a couple of them I was involved in. Me and, me and another guy just had simple racing incidents and agreed uh, that it was just racing incidents at the end of the race. But the one that took me out was just not being able to avoid somebody else who was sideways. I, just, I couldn't get around them. And I had a good run going, but early on a DNF because... I went to the outside of a guy on the inside down the straight and he came up into me and pushed us both to the wall. I got on the radio, not clear, dude, not clear. I was there. But uh, Greg, you said I didn't do anything wrong there. I mean, I I had to take the lane, he he left it. There's not much you can do there. The thing that happens is, and I hate, this is the worst thing that, that I've noticed too is with all these races, you either, you make the slide job and you pass the guy and piss him off, or you don't make the pass and you lose three positions and you're pissed off. So what's better to do? And you, uh, at New Hampshire, you need the outside there, Dave, or Mike. So if you slow down and let him in, 
well, what's the guy behind you gonna do? He's gonna right. try and take your position. You might as well just keep going. It is on the, you know, he's away from the wall. There's an open spot there. If you're gonna, you get, you gotta, as racing and iRacing, you need to know that someone's gonna fill that hole if it's there. So, and, and that's why I felt like, a, you know, I'm, I'm understanding about my wreck at Atlanta. And understandably, you know, it's shit that it's, it's crappy that you got in that wreck, but that guy needs to know that you're going to be out there. He can't assume that he can just all of a sudden come back up if he's lost his momentum and to do that. Yeah, it just sucked. I had such a bad week in Atlanta and now in New Hampshire. Uh, Kyle, he ran, he got a DNF, he blew up. Uh, he actually got engine damage stacking up at the start of the race. They stacked up on him. Uh, he ran over somebody. Thursday open, David, P10. Yeah, I, get, I did get caught up in the late wreck. It cost me a little bit of horsepower, but I, I almost think it gave me better drive off because uh, um, it, it was still driving really well. Uh, and that wreck, I, I was just kind of caught up with it and some other people got it, got a lot worse end of it. Um, and then you add that to the fact that this EOL bug is happening and I think eight people in the race had it at that point that were on the lead lap. Uh, resulted in the P10. Uh, it was a 20th, 20th place car that happened to steal a P10 in this case, I think. That's right. Tony Rochette, key number 88 for the keys. I suck at the land of the hamsters, dodge some wrecks and finish eighth. Best in heaven, Gary. Let's go to official A open, David P1. Man, this one finally worked out for me. Um, I had like P3, P3, P2, P2, P3, P3, P2 in Atlanta. It was just, uh, we, we were really fast here this week. And there's not, nowadays, there's less competition in the A Open than there is in the NIS. I'm not having to race Garrett Maines and, and Boyd Hogan every week, you know, who who I will rarely ever have the same pace as. Um so it was nice. It's my first oval win this year, uh, other than league races. So it was my first official oval race. Uh, I was going to come in second, and then with some luck, we ended up with a green-white checkered at the end. The, the guy on that went ahead and stopped on a run. It was about a 60-lap run. He stopped, and he was catching me. He was going to pass me with about probably five laps to go. Caution comes out. They all have already used their last set of tires. I've still got mine. I tape it up, pit, and I restart P9 and and make the pass for P1. All right, and then Greg, you got a P2. Yeah, we all decided to uh, that the Atlanta race was boring on Sunday afternoon, and uh, I don't want to say like five or six of us jumped in a, an A open, and uh, David was in there with me. I think this is the race Chris was with us, and. Uh, I just had a different fuel strategy than everybody else, and uh, it turned out that uh, I was able to. I was we were probably a top five car anyways, and I gained myself some more positions by pitting a little bit differently than everybody else. And uh, yeah, it was a good race. Uh, I know David ch changed his strategy in that race uh, for his pitting uh, in the A Open uh, compared to what I did, and it kind of showed up a little bit different on the track and. Sometimes it works that way and sometimes it doesn't. We still both passed people that split it evenly. What I had told you is that the uneven splitting seems to be working better 
um, because I'm seeing everybody just smoke smoke is doing it and then the iteration you came up with the or the innovation was to to split it unevenly pitting early I split it unevenly pitting late and it, it, the early paid off better the late still paid off because I passed I got ahead of other people that that split it 50 50. Well, and if I remember correctly, that's the one uh, we were battling together and you were on the outside of me and I just decided to duck down pit road and sneak it uh, because I had an open gap behind me. And uh, and that's like I said, it was let's 46, mm-hmm. lap 46, 45, 46. And it just worked out that way. And because that race went green, too, from start to finish as well. And when we uh, when we started, there was a near wreck and I had to drop back to like 12th and bust my tail to get back up to the top so i had i had just gotten back to y'all as we were getting into the pit window it took me that long to get to get back with that lead pack and i definitely had to use up a lot of the good on the tire so I, in that case i would have been better off pitting with you okay and then kyle pendigraph he got p1 started uh, p9 kept myself out of a handful of wrecks was able to maintain myself in the top five. Late race caution allowed me to gain two spots on pit road. And then I just got myself to the lead after the restart and just ran away. Led 14 laps and took the checkered flag. It sure does feel great to win again after a long dry streak. And then David P1 at Monza and uh, Gridfinder gave you some love on the Twitter. Yeah, this was really a hat trick, right? I had the A open win. The uh, we'll talk a little bit a lot about a little bit later. I got the league race win, and then right after the league race, it ran so fast because it ran caution free. I went ahead and signed up for a Monza and took P one there as well. So uh, three races in one day and in kind of three different settings. It was pretty exciting. Well, let's talk Monday night, fast track sim racing league, uh, P1. Uh, you guys, uh, Greg and David, you're both saving fuel. Dave, uh, David, tell us how you won this. Greg stretched his run to 70 laps. I stretched mine to exactly 65. And suddenly I'm running a little bit by myself and a lot faster because I'm not fighting through traffic. And uh, my calculator is telling me I'm like five laps short. I'm like, oh, crap. So Greg is about six seconds behind me. I basically let him catch me. And then I save fuel by drafting him. But also, the, the uh, I, before he caught me, I had to clutch it. But once he caught me, I stopped clutching it and just st- started drafting. And that made it where I had just enough fuel. And then a side effect that was kind of unintentional is I really saved my tire. And so when it came time, I just had more tire at the end and was able to pass him. And everybody, nobody else took the same strategy. Yeah, me and David were the only ones that went single pit stop. Everybody else went doubles and... Well, I did too, but I suck. You're never... Well, I, I'm guessing, Mike, you didn't... And we weren't divulging it in the race, and I wasn't divulging because I didn't know if David knew that I was clutching. He probably did know that I was clutching, That I, the reason I got to lap 70, but I didn't want to say anything until... Cause you hinted at it. Huh? You hinted at it. Well, because Bobby was in there, and you said, "Do you see what I'm? Do you see what I'm doing?" And at that point, I knew exactly what you were doing. Well, and and it was nice because it was nice having Bobby around uh, for this race too. But uh, (laughs) I didn't want to tell you, Mike, that you should be doing it because that's the easiest way. Like that's what uh, that's what Richard did to us at Pocono. 
he just, he was fast enough to clutch it. Yeah, I just knew that I, even not clutching it, I had gone as far as 68 laps. So I was not trying to pass them. I was just trying to stay with those three leaders. And as long as I made it to the 65 laps, I thought I was going to be okay. I was a little shocked when the, when the calculator flipped on me for a while, but after saving for a few laps, it kind of reset and I was good to go the second half. I, and I don't know, I mean, David and I had a good battle. My car was just way too tight on that second run. And I wish I would have made an adjustment there and see if I could have battled with David. I just <clears throat> way too much wear on the right sides on the second run. And David's car ran a lot better on that run. And, you know, he took the win from me because I made a mistake. And it, we were, it was coming down to us no matter what, because Tyler was, was trying to catch us, but he was never going to catch us. Uh, on a two-stop strategy unless he would have... The only way I think they would have caught us is if they would have done them sooner instead of the later, waiting later. It was, the first one was too late. There were some people, though, that did split and they weren't they weren't anywhere close. Uh, th there's just too much time on pit road for two stops to beat one stop. And it's just, it's not, it's just three stops can beat two in some situations. But I have never seen it work out at any track in the last three years. I've never seen a two-stopper beat a one-stopper. And and the thing is, is once again, and, and you guys will be vouched for this too, this is, uh, it's three weeks in a row it's gone green flag, but we had a road course in the middle, but that's that's from start to finish, it's cool. no cautions. And, you know, this racing is, it's fun. And we just, I just like to see the field bigger to see how, how much, you know, he needs to get some more participation and he's trying to build the league up and it's great so you know anybody that's interested in a very competitive uh, very clean racing and respectful racing needs to join the fast track uh, racing league because jeff marble and his son do a great job running it and it seems to be good most of team tofosi is running it uh if they can unless they're part of the obrl one of the two a couple of things that really set it up well is they um no starting until the green's out. I would like to see some, I would like to see that change, you know, to have the bigger restart zone, but the stay in line until the start finish line is really what helps because that basically makes it almost impossible to go three wide if you jump out in turn one and especially to go kamikaze if you stay in line until the start finish line. And I, I wish iRacing would just go ahead and make that a rule, even though they can't enforce it from lap to lap and just make it something that's protestable because that would cut prevent been a lot of of p1 shenanigan or turn one shenanigans at the ovals is just you got to stay in line until you get to that start finish line yeah bobby jonas ran with us he wrecked out early on his own and there was no caution but i think he just ran around with us after that well, i he ran he was coasting and he had an injury so he was yeah. he was trying it and he probably shouldn't have okay and and i also ran and tried to do the one stopper um I didn't realize I was doing this until late into the first run, so I wasn't saving fuel. I didn't make it to halfway. I think I was a lap or maybe two laps short. But when I got onto that second run, um, the Joel Real timing was not giving me good numbers. Like David said, I was showing like five short and whatnot. And so I started running, you know, 65% throttle and it wasn't enough. And then I started going 50% throttle and I finally got it to 50% throttle 
uh, pretty much. You know, I'd never go above 50% and I was saving enough to make it. And, uh, but I was so slow, you know, I kind of lost my track position. Um, I, I think if you're going to do this, you got to save from the beginning like Greg did. I just knew that like when we got to the point, uh, when David was there and we were all racing each other, there's so much racing going on that I, I, you know, I started on the pole in that race too. And, um, I, I screwed up. I got a little loose and I let everybody buy, like probably like five guys by. And I was like running around them. And once I knew I could actually run the pace and save fuel, that's when you make the choice. If I wouldn't have been able to hang on and, and do it, I would have been on a two-stop strategy or like what David did, try and get right to 65. But once I knew that I could just coast it, I was going to go as far as I can and try something different. Like this week has been a lot of, Atlanta was the, the most, you know, uh, we got a lot of good data coming out of Atlanta just with the fact of how many different types of races we did this week there or had. Okay. Then we had uh, one last race that we always run right after the, or a couple of us run right after the show. Brian didn't get to run it because uh, he was out in the woods, but uh, Kyle did run it. He got a P3. Mike, tell us about it. Yeah, the IROC iRacing Challenge. Uh, Kyle got P3, ran a smart race, kept myself out of trouble with 15 to go, got involved in the big one, used my quick repair and hung out in the back. When we got down to a green white checker, I was sitting third, took the green. And we instantly went three wide down the back. I retook the lead and was holding off the 93 truck to side draft coming to the checkered. And we got tangled up in the triangle. I was still able to squeak out a P3 and led 11 laps throughout the race. And then OBRL, uh, uh, Brian, you had a shifter problem. A continuing shift problem, yeah. So uh, when I would go from second on a restart, second to third gear, it would go to first gear instead of third gear. So I learned my lesson on that in some practice. So I was clutching it to make sure I didn't, you know, bind up the engine. So I had to clutch in while I was doing that. And if it didn't go into third, I would just keep playing with it till it did. So, but it would slow me up on the restarts and I was messing people up behind me. It was terrible. So, um, yeah, that's after, like halfway through the race. I just decided to switch it over to sequential and just finished the race in sequential. Um, it's not sure where I finished, but it was bad. I'm just primarily on the sequential now. I don't ever go back for that same reason. Same. But then the OBRL Aftermath Podcast Truck Series race at New Hampshire. Congratulations, Tom Ogle for winning. Steve Thompson second, Josh Robinson third. All right, and final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Um, it's really hard to think about anything else about um, our, our friend Gary, um, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm just going to leave it at that. He's in our prayers. His family's in our prayers. And uh, we wish everyone the best. And uh, we'll miss you, Gary. Yeah, well said. David Hall, final thoughts. Yeah, like I said before, I didn't I didn't really personally get to know the guy. And I regretted not being able to make the show when, when they interviewed him because I had a whole lot in in common with him, even though he was on a, on a much higher level, you know, getting to play with all the amazing groups that he played with. You, you used to go back and listen to that, to the repost when they, when they posted up. Um, but I still, uh, I got the news that actually this morning and as I was working out and, um, you, you just, it would, you try to push it out of your head, but it just, the thoughts of, uh, grief for all the other people would come back. And the, the way I cope is what can I do? So the, 
by the time I got home, I had the idea to go ahead and create a sticker for all the OBR girls, OBRL guys and Irish Lounge guys to stick on their car. Um, and so it's a piano with his initials and his number on it. Uh, that everybody's going to be running with the car. We'll put it in the show notes as well. So anybody who wants to run it, grab it, put it on there. Yeah, very cool. Uh, everyone's just thinking of everything they can do to help uh, in this trying time. Greg Hectus, final thought? Um, yeah, I just want to reiterate, obviously, what the guy's saying. I didn't know Gary very well. Um, I did race with them a little bit with the OBRL when I did have the one season with them, but uh, it's a shame, um, you know, life on this earth is, is very short for a lot of us, some more than others. And, uh, we got to just enjoy it for what we have and, um, enjoy the people that we get or spend time with, uh, uh, my, my thoughts are with his family and, and everybody that knew him and, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. That's all we can do. Yep. It's, uh, it's been a crazy week, uh, with what happened to my daughter, uh, with my grandson in the car and getting in a big wreck and, I would, you know, there was a moment there I didn't know if the baby was okay or not, and uh, it's tough. Um, and it kind of, you know, obviously affected my racing schedule. Uh, I haven't been racing uh, what I normally would because I'm, you know, preoccupied with some other things. But uh, it makes you really, you know, think twice about, man, you got to enjoy the time you got and, and uh, embrace it. So, uh uh, get out there and get it. I've had some bad racing luck lately. I need to shake that stuff uh, pronto. We're going to try again Friday night, New Hampshire, and we'll see if we can get it done. With that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.